Hi, I'm Jimmy Correa, and thank you for listening to Conversations Between Addicts. Some of the most meaningful conversations I've had with people outside of my family were with people that had been where I'd been and had felt what I'd felt. It was raw, honest conversations that came after a 12-step meeting where buckets of tears were shed, or during the week when I called a friend because I needed help sorting through the mess in my head. They were the conversations where I wasn't trying to impress anyone, and I knew that they didn't judge me for all the stupid things that I'd done. This is what Conversations Between Addicts is about. I hope that as you listen, you will be inspired with hope for a brighter future and open up to someone that you can trust in full honesty. This is not a recovery program or any kind of replacement for professional help. As difficult as it may be, recovery really begins when you get real, fully honest with yourself and God. I urge you, if your life is being overtaken with addiction, get help. Talk with a family member, church leader, or colleague that you can trust. Go to a therapist or counselor. Get the help that you need. Real recovery from addiction doesn't happen alone in isolation. I know you can be free and feel the full joy that comes with that freedom. Most of all, I want you to know that you're not alone in this. We really are all together. So reach out, speak up, and let's help each other out so that we can enjoy that, that joy and freedom that comes from recovery from addiction. All right, well, welcome. Today we are on our podcast, Conversations Between Addicts, and uh, today we're going to do it a little bit different. I have today uh, a sweet, wonderful, tender, and powerful woman as our guest, Karen Broadhead, and uh, I'm excited uh, to do this. The The reason I, I we are doing this a little bit different, normally our, our uh, guests are people who struggle with addiction themselves, sharing their own story and their struggles. Um, but uh, this month and this week is a little bit uh, tender and special to me. It's my mom's birthday tomorrow. My mom passed away about eight years ago, and she's just, my mom's been on my mind a lot. And uh, when I was thinking about this podcast, I I thought, well, wouldn't it be great to have a uh, a mother who who is dealt with the addiction in their family or uh, has helped others uh, to share the mother's side and uh, what that's like and and how how mothers can help and so Karen's name came to my mind right away <laughs> and so I am thrilled to to do this podcast with you Karen um, why don't you just kind of introduce yourself a little bit tell me tell us about yourself and how you got to be on this podcast. <laughs> uh, well, let's see. I'm a, I'm a mother, and uh, I like to say I'm a mother who knows. Um, there was, uh, I was in a meeting several years ago around I was the first meeting I'd ever been to in a conference room, like with this huge table and these really important chairs. And everyone was to stand up and introduce themselves. And so I stood up and introduced myself to a room of people that I didn't know. And it just came right out of my mouth. And it was, I said, I'm Karen Broadhead, and I am a mother who knows. And uh, anyway, and 
then I sat down and spirit just came over me and pretty much said, did you just hear what you said? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yes, I did. And it was this feeling of, um, you are a mother who knows things and, and you need to share what you know. And so, so that led to me, uh, yeah, just starting an organization called, it was initially called Mothers of the Sons of Helaman because it went right along with the story from the Book of Mormon and, and my son who, um, we had a journey with him through his addiction and his recovery and uh, we, it was called Sons of Helaman. So initially it was called Mothers of the Sons of Helaman, but as there became more interest and more need. We wanted to be, I just wanted to be more universal and make it about mothers being courageous and that all mothers are mothers who know. And and right now it's my turn to be the mother who really is learning some things and knows lots. <laughs> and your turn is coming. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, so anyway, I'm a mother of five. I have a joint family. Um, my husband and I have been married for 23 years. Um, and I am, I understand betrayal trauma from my first marriage. I, I also uh, just understand and have a really unique perspective on addiction and how it, uh, it affects families and not just the addict, but people who are supporting them. And I really have a really strong testimony that um, um, addiction doesn't happen to bad people. Mm. People who are caught in addiction aren't bad people. That it happens to the best of the best of the best. And I really believe there's a reason for that because um, yeah, God just knew I'm going to need warriors. I'm going to need soldiers who are who have been in the trenches and can say, "Yep, I've got some chinks in my armor, and I'm proud of my chinks and all of these battle scars I have, and I can stand here now, and I'm pretty incredibly formidable because of what I know and where I've been and what I've overcome." So I just have a great very strong testimony of that because I've seen it in my sons and I've seen it in myself and I've just, you know, I have such an incredible opportunity every day to hang out with people who that's what they're doing on a very purposeful basis with all of their heart is to stay aligned with the Savior and access his atonement. Fantastic. I'm, yeah, and I know that you, I, I know that you've already affected, you know, hundreds of women, if not thousands, and and young men, and and everybody in between. And so I'm so glad to have you as a guest and to hear hear some of your insight and feel your spirit, and it's just great. Um, one of the things I was thinking about when we were getting started was kind of the the intent of this podcast. I don't think I told you exactly 
uh, kind of the, the intent that I, the hope that I have of this. Um, it's called Conversations Between Addicts. Um, uh, but as as anyone that's listened has found out, it's it's been mostly LDS men with addictions to pornography. Um, and uh, the the intent of this isn't just to to share sob stories. The hope is that someone listening will go, oh, wow, <laughs> they just talked really openly and honestly about some difficult things. Maybe I can share um, my heart with someone else uh, on some you know challenging things. I I think about um, a, a dear friend of mine. They their family was going so, through some really rough stuff. Um, he he was dealing with some addiction, and then they found out they had a 14 year old son who also was having some challenges. Um, it came to a point where it, it involved handcuffs and ankle bracelets, and uh, really really sad thing in the family. Um, and this friend of mine had to, you know, he, he had to talk to his, his family about it. It was obvious there was something going on. And, um, so he got his siblings together and it was interesting that as they talked, they found out that every single family within their family was dealing with some kind of similar addiction, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, whether it was one of the parents or one of the kids, it, it, it just, and yet they weren't helping, you know, they weren't talking with each other. They weren't really sharing with that. And, it, and it's interesting how we, how we do that. So often we think our problems are our own and we can't talk with anyone else about it. And it's, you know, yet, yet we have people around us that care, they want to help. And, and they, we just need to open up and, and talk a little bit so that we have that opportunity to support one another. So anyway, the the hope of this is that someone listening can go, okay, yeah, I I can open up and share. I can I can talk with somebody. There are safe places. There are there are safe people that I can I can share some of these challenges with, and and we can help each other out. Because the cool thing I found is whenever someone comes to me with their problems, it helps me a whole whole lot. You know. Uh, because it gives me an opportunity to reflect on myself and go, okay, yeah, I, I need to improve in these places. And, and man, okay. Sometimes it's, it could be a lot worse. I'm, I'm sure glad I, I'm not, I'm not in your situation, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's, that's kind of some of the intent. And, and I'm sure you've seen that in, uh, in, in your work that you do with the, you know, the meetings and the things that you do as well. Um, so what, what is it that you'd like to share with um, someone listening? Say, say it's a, uh, an LDS man dealing with an, an addiction or uh, a mother. What, what would you want to share with them of the things that you've learned? Just two things that were coming to my mind as you were talking was – an experience that I had it was about five years ago when the Togetherness Project um, just started happening. And so it's an organization that started by women who were dealing with betrayal trauma and they uh, wanted to connect other women together. So that they, and they started this Togetherness Project. And every year they'd have a conference. Their very first conference they had 
Um, I, you know, I've been to all of their conferences, but I went to the very first conference they had, and oh, uh, and this this year's their last year, huh? Yeah, this is their last year. Oh. It's on the twenty seventh. In case anybody's interested, twenty seventh. Okay, I'll add that to the post. I'm sure <laughs> anyway, but I just remember um, I I went with a with a unique perspective because I wasn't there. Um, as a woman suffering and needing to connect in that way and wanting some, some support, but I couldn't help but look around and think, it is so important to have the proper perspective on things and it is almost impossible to have a proper perspective when you're in a place of a lot of pain and a lot of shame and, you know, betrayal. And so, but from where I was sitting, because I had a different perspective, we were all, I just watched all these women throughout the day and, you know, and introduced myself to several of them and talked to them about things. And, and then at lunchtime, they were all in the same place. And I was sitting there at lunch and all I could think of was my sons that I love. So I have three sons and, uh, my oldest is my stepson, and I'm so proud of him, and I love him so much. And I became his stepmother when he was six. And his addiction uh, to masturbation and pornography started when he was 11. But we didn't know anything about it until he was, um, until he got home from his mission, is when we discovered all that he'd gone through all that by himself, and now he still needed some tools. He needed some recovery. And, and then our middle son, um, he, uh, we discovered his addiction, uh, his addiction also started just with masturbation when he was 11. And, um, but we discovered it when he was 13. And, the way we discovered it was because I had a dear friend who had taught her, her daughters uh, some emotional IQ. Like, when you feel uncomfortable, this is what it feels like. When you feel scared, this is what it feels like. And every day after I come back and get you from from Karen's house because we were watching her three little baby girls and she was she was dealing with a husband who had just left her nine months pregnant with her third child and uh, so we just thought we get that my husband and I we get alone and signal needing more help so we said we're going to become your second family and we'll watch your kids while you go get a career so you can support this family and so we just loved them, this new little baby girl and these other two sisters that she had. But the reason that we discovered his addiction is because she had taught her girls some, you know, emotional intelligence. And they knew every day that they would have conversations about, do you have any emotions, their mother would say, do you have any emotions that you've put in your pocket today to share? that you saved to share with me uh you know what happened today is there what what was fun what was this and then they knew every day 
they would be asked, did anything happen today that made you uncomfortable? Or, you know, what about negative emotions? That kind of stuff. And uh, immediately when they got in the car and just not even out of our neighborhood, her oldest daughter said, something happened today that made me feel uncomfortable. And she described something that had happened at our house that was uh, just mind-blowing to me. And within five minutes, she came back to the door and said, here's, here's what my daughter said happened today. She didn't, you know, nothing in her privacy was invaded, but her innocence was destroyed. And uh, so, and we were just dumbfounded. And so that boy was also, he's incredible. And we're so proud of him and so incredibly happy about the man he is and the boy he was. Like, no one could have shocked me more than to say that that son who was born to be kind, obedient, honest, loving, good, best brother of any brother, mm -hmm. and just so open that he was struggling with that. So that's how we discovered that he had an addiction was his he was willing to be transparent when we confronted him in a highly inappropriate way as parents. Yeah. It was our first discovery. Yeah. So I'm coming back to the togetherness project. Almost mm -hmm. there. Okay. <laughs> anyway. But the uh, but and then from that middle son we have a ten year span. And I have a sixteen year old son right now. And He's had his struggles, too, and he's had to face his own um, just managing what it, what it feels like to, when your sexual chemistry wakes up and all, you know, the effects of pornography being thrust in your face everywhere you go and trying to manage that compulsive curiosity and stuff. But I, um, because of the experience of my two older sons, and then that 10-year gap, I feel so grateful for what uh, the Lord has allowed me to learn about how to do the mothering side of mothering a son in addiction or mothering a son and um, decreasing shame, increasing um, honesty and let's be transparent, let's be real, let's really talk about what's going on and mm -hmm. no dark corners, let's always just put things out here in the light and, you know, and it's been such an incredible gift for this young son of mine to be going through all of these same things that his older sons, his older brothers went through with not only the support of his older brothers and their transparency saying, dude, we want you to know some things. Mm -hmm. What our life looked like, this is, we feel like our childhood was destroyed because of this. And like someone just stole it from us. And you have the opportunity to do it different. So they talked to him and, and uh, anyway. Wow. Uh what? Go ahead. I said that. How cool to have older brothers like that. that you know, I, I got two older brothers too, and in a lot of ways, I feel that from them. 
And uh, yeah, that, that just, I just think that's awesome. Yeah. So I was sitting there and I was looking at all these women at the Togetherness Project and really my, my pervasive thought was men do not become addicted to pornography because their wives aren't cute enough. Because they were all so beautiful. All of these women. They were so beautiful, like there would be no reason for a man to go uh, have an addiction to something because they weren't cute enough. They were all super cute, you know? And I thought, I know they're feeling like it's me. Something's wrong with me. What did I do to cause this? There's so much of that going on in this, in the, at this conference. At this, you know, it was what they were talking about in all of the sessions and everything. And I thought, hmm. But I'm sure that all of these, because most of them were young mothers. And I thought, I'm sure that all of these young mothers have sons or daughters. And their husband, uh, their husband was someone's son. And... Uh, his story could be that, you know, his addiction started when he was 8, when he was 11, when he was 13, 17, whatever it is. But what that journey looked like for him as a boy. And, you know, I just thought um, there's a unique perspective when you are on the side of I'm the mother supporting a son. Because as I looked around at the table and I was talking to all these women and listening to their interactions with each other and their stories and stuff, I just thought, I actually had the thought, ah, we are all children. And that's what the Savior asks us to be, is like children, to be humble and, and submissive and teachable. And, and I just knew, I thought, this is the beginning of a really big journey. But those husbands that you're grieving over are also, they used to be young and innocent and scared. And, yeah. So, just like my sons. And I thought, I'm so grateful that we were able to help our sons uh, before they got married, you know? And so really, I think that's any woman who's dealt with betrayal trauma and any man who's dealt with an addiction to masturbation and pornography or any kind of sexual addiction would agree that it's not like you're going to escape this issue with your kids. It's coming. <laughs> but... But wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to not have dark corners and have it be hidden for years and years and get that deep and that hard and that shameful mm -hmm. and have parents who could, who could speak and not shame and be, you know, be kind of a, you know, I'm a support system for the Savior and we're just here to help you find him. So kind of well, a thing. And I love that that fits 
so well with with something I learned just recently. I, you know, our, our Sunday school class we've been going to. Um, oh gosh, what's the class? Uh, marriage and family support. I don't know something something like that for the for the Sunday school class and. And the teacher, she's emphasized this several times. You know, she's a mother who knows. She's, she's been through it with her kids. And she's emphasized several times that your kids' weaknesses are not your weaknesses. As much as they might look exactly the same, and, and we look at our kids and we're like, oh, my goodness, they're turning out just like me. And it freaks us out because we go, oh, no, they're doing the same stupid things that I did. Ah. You know, and she just said over and over their weaknesses are theirs. They're not yours. Even if it looks the same, it, they didn't get it from you. They have their own weaknesses. And as it says out, Ether 12, 27, that it's the Lord that gives us our weaknesses to, to make us humble. We're, as parents, we didn't give them their weaknesses. We're here to support them and love them. You know, and like you said, be their, their, the support system. And, uh, the, you know, help them to, to find the savior, not to fix them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's a big deal. Yeah, for sure. I'm thinking that was one of my greatest realizations. Um, one of the things you sent me a list of questions before the podcast, just to kind of know, Hey, here's where we're going to go. One of the things that um, was a turning point for me, uh, someone supporting a child in addiction, was because um, as a mother, you, you know, with every other issue in your child's life, you've had some control. You've had some, you know, <laughs> no, we're not doing it like that. We're going to go over here and do it like this. And, hey, I can distract you from doing that because... I can throw this in front of you and get you all distracted and you'll come over here and let's be nice. You know what I mean? And, uh, but when big things happen where you feel helpless and there's nothing more painful than watching someone that your only desire is to see them succeed and you put all your guts into it and you're you know, and then you realize I'm completely helpless and I can't help them succeed in this area. All I can do is is figure out how to support this and how to how to you know, and so for me personally, it just took such a huge turning point was when I learned through some personal study and trying to ask God again and again, what is wrong with him? How come he can't stop this? Like really, how many things, how many years? Uh, what, how come we can't, you know, we've tried this and this and this and this and this, all these things. And still we're, it seems like we're square one, one again. And uh, um, it, it was him getting all the pieces he needed, but it was God finally when I was at a humble enough place to hear it and not the mothering place of, I am going to fix this for you. We are going to figure this out and I'm going to just get over there in your battle and help you swing your sword. 
you know what I mean? It was it was me hearing um, that it is Moses one thirty nine. It was that scripture. It's my work and my glory to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. And then the scripture in Matthew where the rich ruler, I don't know, I think it's in Matthew, uh, the rich ruler asked God, you know, I've done everything that there is to do. What more? What lack I yet? Mm -hmm. I'm just super cool. Done it all. Everything that you say, I do. So what lack I yet to have eternal life? And he said, well, you got to give it all up and come follow me. Mm-hmm. And it was that story that told me, you have to give your son up. You have to give him up. And it told me, he told me, uh, you have to give him up because uh, you are trying to do my job. <laughs> and can't do my job. Uh, Unless you get out of the way. You need to get out of the way so I can do my job. But it's my work. It's my glory. I want to save your son just as badly as you do. And there's a purpose behind all of this for you and for him in your journey for eternal life and what I'm trying to accomplish here. But I need you to get out of the way so that I can do my work. Because I was so dedicated, so invested, and so, um, you know, let's make another chart. Let's have another talk. Let's, let's have another report. Let's have a, you know, uh, in a place of fear and doubt. And so that was a really big turning point for me was you have to get out of my way. I have some work to do, but you always come and mess it up. (laughs) Thank you for joining us for this podcast. And I hope you've enjoyed this amazing conversation that I had with Karen Broadhead. Now, this is just part one. I hope that you'll come back and listen to part two, because if you liked what you heard already, it keeps getting better. Hi, this is Jimmy Correa. I'm the host of Conversations Between Addicts. Thank you so much for joining us, and I hope that you'll visit us at our website, www.jimmyandshelly.com. It's J-I-M-M-Y-A-N-D-S-H-E-L-L-Y, where you can find out more about me or my wife, Shelly, and here are some of the things that we enjoy doing. Most of all, I hope that you will share this podcast with someone else. My experience has been that every family is hit with some kind of addiction, depression, some kind of a big challenge like that. And it really takes having an open, honest conversation to strengthen and build relationships. I know that that's been a huge blessing in my life, and I hope that you will reach out and start those conversations with someone else because it's hard to start sometimes. Most of all, I hope that you remember that there are people out there that need to have those conversations with you. They need to hear honest, open, heartfelt feelings and know that they're cared about. Really and truly, there are people depending on you. So go out and share. Go out and talk with them. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.